Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I'm bringing you today's word for October 30th, 2023. I'm teaching a series on the parables of Jesus. I taught this year, I started the year with a series on the miracles of Jesus, and a lot of people were blessed by it. And the Holy Spirit then led me to teach on the parables of Jesus. That's what we're doing right now. And we're going through these parables. Right now, I'm dealing with the parable of the prodigal son. I pray that you open up your heart to receive what God is about to say today. Before I do that, let me just say very briefly that I'm in the Dominican Republic with my wife, uh, Isabella. We got here, and uh, yesterday I preached. Uh, We had a great time at our church. We got to see some of our students from the school who are also members of the church. And then this week, we're going to visit the school multiple times, spend time with our students there. So I just want to thank all of the partners of Rick and Isabella Pena Ministries. Uh, You you enable us to do what we're doing. You enable us to provide these children a Christ-based education and also a hot meal every day. And so we will be your, your... hands and feet this week, Isabella and I, we'll be, we're here to represent you. And so thank you so much for being a blessing to us. Thank you for partnering with us. And let me just say this, everything that when you partner with Rick and Isabella Pena Ministries, everything that our ministry does is accounted to your account in heaven. So, so in heaven, people are saying you are part of that because you're a partner with us. So thank you so much. Let's get ready for the word this morning. Open up your heart to receive. All right, so let's get into the word for this morning. Here we go. Uh, let me go over here. One second. Oh, don't want to do that. Here we go. All right, so let's get into the word for this morning. Uh, we're dealing with the parable of the prodigal son. The title of today's message is Pearls from the Parables, Part 88, From Redemption to Resentment. Put in the chat, from redemption to resentment, don't get bitter. Put in the chat, I will not get bitter. What we're going to learn today is about how to function uh, in the body of Christ, one with another, and how we don't want to build up resentment in our hearts towards anything that God is doing for somebody else. So I'm going to deal with going from redemption to resentment and really how we should not get bitter. Put in the chat, I will not get bitter. Psalms 126 and verse 4 is a scripture that we've been looking at all year, and I want to look at it again today. Uh, This is something that we've been meditating on because at our church, we believe that this is a season of refreshing and restoring for us. So this is what the Bible says. Now, Lord, do it again. If there's an area of your life that is dried up, God is going to do something afresh for you in this season. Lord, do it again. Restore us to the former glory. May streams of your refreshing flow over us until dry hearts are drenched again. So put in the chat, no dry areas for me. So let's get into it. The prodigal son. This is what the Bible says in Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 11, dropping down all the way to verse 32. Jesus told the story. He said a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my inheritance now before you die. Very disrespectful. But then the father said, "Okay, fine. So if I'm going to give you yours, I'm going to give it to your brother, too. And he divided his wealth amongst the two sons. A few days later, the younger son packed up all his stuff. Once he got his money, he moved away into a distant land. And there he wasted all the money on wild living. And as soon as he ran out of money, a famine swept over the land and he began to starve. So he persuaded a local farmer 
to give him a job. And the man, the man said, fine, I'll give you a job, but it's dealing with pigs. And he's like, man, I'm a Jew. I don't even deal with pigs like that, but fine. I'm hungry. I got to do something. So he went out there and he started dealing with those pigs. He was looking at the pig slop. He was so hungry that the pig slop was looking good to him. And the Bible says no one gave him anything to eat. See, that's why you want to be big, bad, and bold. You want to get out there and do your own thing. Fine. You're going to have to deal with the repercussions of your decisions. When he finally came to himself, the Bible says, he was out there looking at the pig slop. He was like, wait a minute, hold on for a minute. Even the staff, my father has so much money that he has a staff at home. I was raised with the staff. We have servants at home. Even the staff members of our home have, have it better than me right now. I mean, they always have food and they've always have enough food to eat and more than enough. So I'm going to go home and I'll say, okay, hey, daddy, this is what I'm going to do. I know I messed up. I know I'm wrong. I just want to be a staff member. I know I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore. And so, fine, you know, I just won't be a son, but I want to be a staff member. If you can, just give me a job because I'm hungry. If you give me a job, I'll be able to eat like them and I'll just be part of the staff and I'll live in the staff's quarters and all of that. I don't need to go back to my room. I don't need any of that. I'm just, you know, fine. But why? Because when you're in sin, you're in guilt and shame and condemnation. So he returned home. And while he was a long way off, his father was looking for him because his father had been going out every day looking for him. And his father saw him while he was a long way off. And so his father ran to him and threw his arms around him and kissed him on the, on the neck. And while his father was holding him, the boy, you know, it's like he had built up the story like, Daddy, I'm not, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. So if you could just kind of give me a job, you know, if I could get a job, if I could be part of the staff, I, I'm just hungry. And so, so I don't, I don't need my room. I don't need this. I, you know, dad, daddy, if you could, he, he's like trying to get this out. And the father's like, man, shut up. Man, what are you talking? You're not a slave. You're not a servant. You're my son. He tells his, he says his uh, servants, he says, go get the robe, go get the ring, go get the sandals, put, throw it on this boy. I don't care what he smells like. I don't care what he looks like. I don't care none of that. This is my son. My son was dead. Now he's alive to God be the glory. Kill the fatted calf. Let's throw a party. And so that's what they did. And they threw this big party. And meanwhile, the older son was working. So when the son came back, he was like, yo, what's all the music about? It's like one of the staff members said, hey, your brother who was dead, he's now alive. He's back home. We're throwing a party. He's been redeemed. And so the, the older brother got upset. The older brother was like, I'm not going in the party. Forget that. And so the father was like, whoa, somebody told, hey, your son's outside. He's not coming in the party. He was like, oh. So he goes out there. He was like, hey, what's going on, son? He says, you know, your, your brother's home. I mean, we just killed the fatter calf. What's going on? And the older son said, well, fine, I'm going to just say it. All my life, I've been respectful to you, Dad. All my life, I've been doing what you told me to do. Everything you tell me to do, I do. I'm not like my brother. I've never been disrespectful. I've, I've honored you. I've done everything you told me to do. And you've never thrown a party for me. You killed a calf for this joker? You never even killed a goat for me. Never. You've never killed a goat. you never thrown a party for me and my friends. And now... This joke went out there and spent all your money on prostitutes and he comes home and what you want to do is kill a fatty calf and throw a party. <laughs> and his father's like, oh, my God, my sons are so different. Come here. Come here, son. He said, listen, I love you, son. I've always loved you. You stay with me. You're here. You're, you're amazing. You're a great son. Everything I have is yours. I had to celebrate this day. Because your brother was lost, man, and now he's found. So what does this mean for you today? There's so many aspects of the story, and so what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to um, address two areas of it today. 
Uh, I had three, but I thought two was too much, and I'm going to just do two, and then we'll move on from there. All right, so two areas uh, from this story today. Number one, the father celebrated redemption. Put in the chat, the father celebrated redemption. Put in the chat, we should celebrate redemption. We should celebrate when somebody who's lost is redeemed. We should talk about it, all right? So as parents, we love all our children. If you have multiple children, you love your children. Um, and you know how children do well. Who do you love more? No, it's just different. Look, I love all my children and, and children are just different. As parents, you love all your children. Now, your children are, are you like, man, how in the world can these kids be raised in the same household and be so different? But you still love them nonetheless. So to a greater extent, if you're able to love your children, to a greater extent, our Heavenly Father loves all of his children. Every soul has value in the kingdom. Put in the chat, every soul has value in the kingdom, Right. And God doesn't give up on anybody. God, God will never give up on anyone. And that's good news because that means he's not going to give up on you. So the older brother did not like it. He didn't like his father's commitment to the prodigal son. His father maintained his commitment regardless of the fact that the brother didn't like it. But the brother didn't like the fact that the father was so committed. And just like the father in this parable, our heavenly father is committed to you. God is not put in the chat. God will never give up on me. God will, the Bible says, God will not, God will not, God will not in any degree leave you hopeless or give you up or leave you without support. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never turn his back. That's good news. I don't know about y'all. That's good news. God will never give up on you. God will never give up on any one of his children. God made plans for us from the foundations of the world and God is tirelessly committed to those plans. And that my friends is good news. And that's the gospel. Now, God is more, put in the chat. God is more committed to me than I'm committed to me. God is more committed to me. God, if God only gave us what we deserve, we would all be men and women most miserable. Thank you, Jesus, that you are committed to us and that you never give up on us and that you're not holding our future hostage to our past and you're not judging our future by our past and you're not blessing me just be based on my performances, the goodness and the grace of God. Thank you, Jesus, for the goodness of God. Now, let me say this. Redeeming the lost is God's top priority. God wants to see the wayward come home. God wants to see people get saved. God wants to see people get born again. God wants to see people go to heaven. God doesn't want to see people go to hell. God loves everyone everywhere, but those that don't accept Jesus as Lord are not going to heaven, and, and God doesn't want that to happen. So redeeming the lost is God's top priority. And like the father in this parable, our heavenly father wants to see these children come home. This is why the father reacted the way that he reacted. He kissed them on the, he didn't say it didn't do like some parents maybe today would do. Hold on for a minute. Hold on. If you come at home, first of all, you're going to wash your nasty tail. You over here smelling like the world coming up into my house. You smell like pigs. First of all, this first thing you're going to do, you're going to go take a shower and wash yourself. Number two, let's talk about what you ain't going to do. Before you get in this house, let me tell you what you ain't going to do. You ain't going to come back in here like you own it because you done messed up and spent all that money. How much money you got left? You know, he didn't do none of that. The father, the father grabbed them. <laughs> He just threw his arms around him, kissed him on the neck, said, let's throw a party. Let's go get the ring. Let's go get the robe. Let's go get the scent. I mean, like this is how. Why? Because it's, I told you already that his soul was more important than his sin and his soul was more important than the money. The father just cared about the boy's soul. And this is how it is with God and us. And we should celebrate redemption. Put in the chat. I celebrate redemption. When somebody comes home, when somebody gets born again, when somebody repents and gives their life to Jesus, we should celebrate it. The Bible says in Luke 15 and 7 that when that happens, when somebody accepts Jesus as Lord, the angels throw a party in heaven. And if they're throwing a party in heaven, then we should 
throw a party down here. Redemption should be celebrated as a community. Say community. You put that in the chat. Redemption should be celebrated as a community. It should not be something that's just isolated. I should rejoice when somebody else's son comes home. I should rejoice when somebody else's daughter comes home. We should celebrate as a community. We should celebrate when, when you have, when you see what something happened for somebody else's children and it hasn't happened for your children yet, don't get bitter, get better. Celebrate the fact that God is going to do it for me too. You should celebrate as a community. We are a community of believers. We get on here every morning. Somebody has a prayer request. We pray for one another. We lift each other up. Why? Because we, there are no lone rangers in the body of Christ. We are a community of believers. God loves community. We're supposed to be together as one. Put in the chat, God loves community. I'm here for you. You're here for me. We need one another. We support one another. We pray for one another. We build each other up. And the Bible says that we ought to celebrate with those that celebrate, rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. That's Romans 12 and 5. So when somebody in your community has something happened that's tragic and they're crying. We cry too. Why? Because we're part of that community. When somebody in your community has something happens that's great and oh my God, like this man, his son came home. He wanted to throw a party. He invited all his friends. The friends came over to do what? To celebrate the fact that his son came home. We're supposed to rejoice with those that rejoice. We're supposed to weep with those that weep. We're supposed to be there one for another. We're supposed to build each other up and not tear each other down. Say amen to that. Put in the chat, I'm here for my brothers and sisters and my brothers and sisters are here for me. We're a community of believers. We're the Grace Life family. Say amen to that. All right, number two. I told you I only had two things. I actually wrote out three things, but the third, it was just too much. So I'm going to give you two today and we'll keep going tomorrow. Number two, the older brother had a problem with the goodness the father was showering his younger brother with. The older brother had a problem with it. Put in the chat, religious people have a problem. Religious people have a problem all the time. You, you got to be careful that faithfulness does not lead to entitlement. Put in the chat, say, my faithfulness will not lead to entitlement. You got to be careful that because you're faithful. You're the one. You have a perfect Sunday school attendance record. Good for you, right? You're the one. You've always been tithing. You've always been worshiping. You're there every Sunday. You do nothing wrong. I got At least that's what you say. <laughs> you know, I got you. But you got to be careful that faithfulness does not lead you to have a spirit of entitlement. The older brother was serving his father faithfully, but his heart was critical. And religious people, you got to be careful because religious people, their heart gets very critical. In God's kingdom, God weighs our intentions, not just our actions. So if you're just doing stuff, doing stuff, you're doing all the right things, but God is checking your heart. Actions performed out of genuine love, they bring joy. But those done out of obligation bring bitterness. Let me, let me explain. People that do things, they go to church Sunday after Sunday, they're on this committee and they're serving in the choir or they're usher, but they're doing it out of obligation and their heart is not right. When you do things out of obligation and not just out of pure joy, it breeds a heart of content, contentment and bitterness, uh, contempt, not content, contempt and bitterness. And so you got to be careful not to be one of those people that you're doing all the right things, but you're doing it the wrong way. Your heart is not in it. And then you're very judgmental towards the people that are not doing what you're doing. The, you know, that people are not going to church or going to mass the way that you are. People are not serving the way that you are. So your, your heart towards them is a little bit hard. And you got to be careful because now you, you have this sense of entitlement as if you feel like you're better than them because you're performing at a greater level. This is why if you listen to me long enough, you're going to be delivered from performance-based religion. Put in the chat, say, I must be delivered from performance-based religion. You got to be careful not to develop a religious spirit. 
See, many have a misunderstanding of God's grace. The older son wanted the father to give the younger son what he deserved. However, the father was like, no, I'm not going to give him what he deserved. I'm showering him with love and grace. And the older brother was furious. He was upset that the goodness of God was being poured out over his brother. And if we would be honest, there are religious people. Make sure it's not you. But there's religious people all the time that operate with the same spirit. They feel like they're working hard. They're working hard. They're working hard to honor God. And they want God to punish those that are not working hard. Like, uh, at least in their opinion, they feel like they're better than those people. See, the, the thing is, here's the thing about grace. Put it in the chat. Grace is free. Grace is free. It's free and it's undeserving. The thing about God is that he is good. The thing about grace is that it's free. And so many religious people don't understand the goodness and the grace of God, and they have a hard time with it. What what do you mean? God is going to let them go into heaven? The same heaven I'm getting? That's what they're going to get? And I'm the one, you know, I've been walking with God for 42 years. I've been, listen, slow down. You ain't that good. I mean, mean, it's the goodness of God. It's whatever. Like, I mean, like we're only saved by God's grace. Relax. God's favor doesn't operate the way that humans wanted to operate. God is a good God and he goes out of his way to be good to his children. And those who don't understand this feel like they're working hard for God's blessing. That's why you got to be delivered from performance-based religion. And they get upset when God blesses somebody that who, in their opinion, they don't deserve it. Well, guess what? You don't deserve it either. Comparison in Christ is dangerous. Put in the chat, comparison in Christ is very dangerous. You have to learn to see yourself the way that God sees you. You got to learn to believe what God believes about you. Say it out loud. I believe what God believes about me. Say it out loud. My opinion of me is based on God's opinion of me. That's great. But if you ever get to that point, then you're not going to be judgmental towards others because the closer you get to God, the less you think of yourself. If you if you realize how jacked up you are, you're not going to be looking down at other people. If you can get to the point where you're like, okay, I believe what God believes about me. I'm embracing the grace of God. Then that's great. Now, think about it. God is doing the same thing for other people, too. So don't look down on other people. This is why you can't be comparing other, with other people. Comparisons is dangerous. Paul said, the, there they are comparing themselves amongst themselves and comparing themselves with themselves. That's not wise. It's not wise. God is dealing with you based on his relationship with you. You don't know what's going on in that person's life. Listen, there's so many dynamics that we're going to not even recognize or realize until we get to heaven. There's some things that God is doing for me that my grandmother prayed for. So how in the world can somebody be comparing themselves to me if they don't even know what my grandmother prayed? They don't even know what my mother prayed. Listen, there's some things that happening for me that my forefathers sowed seed towards. And so there's like generational impact. There's so many dynamics to what God is doing in my life. God is doing in your life. So you can't be comparing yourself to other people. Here you are thinking about what's going on with that person. They're not even living right. Well, you don't know. They have seven generations of walking with God, and so much seed has been sown for that boy that God is doing things based on their forefathers. You don't even know what's going on. And so you need to chill, man. Stop comparing yourself to other people. You just walk with God and, 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 walk, and let God walk with you. If you keep comparing yourself to other people, you're going to go down a hole that leads to nothing but frustration. Religious people get frustrated because they want God to do stuff based on their opinion and their performance and all of that. And God is a good God. God doesn't work that way. If you compare yourself to people too often, your heart is going to get hard. Put in the chat, say, I will protect my heart. You got to protect your heart so that your heart doesn't get hard. If you go to church and hear, this is what happens when your heart gets hard. All right. I'm going to give you some examples. You go to church, you hear great testimony. Sister Cucumber gets up. Oh, my God. Pastor, if you don't mind, I just need to give a testimony. 
of the goodness of God. You're like, okay, go ahead, Sister Cucumber. Sister Cucumber gets up there, gives her testimony. Oh my God, the goodness of God was poured out on me. God did this for me, blah, blah, blah. Instead of rejoicing, there's some people that are rejoicing. Instead of rejoicing, rejoicing because you you're, you have a comparative spirit, your religious spirit, and your heart is hard. Because your heart is hard, instead of rejoicing, this is what you're thinking. God, why are you doing that for her? I know she ain't right. She ain't living right. I've been knowing her. I know stuff about her that people in here don't know. They rejoicing because they don't know what I know about her. And God, why are you doing that for her? You ain't done it for me. Here I am. I'm coming to church Sunday. After, you see what I'm saying? You got to be careful not to do that. Or let's say that you have a you have a career and you go to work and and what, there's a brother or sister at work that's your brother and sister in Christ Jesus. And they give a testimony of how there was this position that came open and they're not qualified, but the Holy Spirit told them to apply and they applied and they got the position to God be the glory. And there's like five of y'all that are Christians at work and 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 one got the, the promotion. The other three are rejoicing. And, and you like, you're putting on a smile, but on the inside, you're like, uh, that's not right, God. H how about me? Last year, I applied for a promotion, and I was qualified, and I had the qualifications, and I had this, and I had that. I had more education than the other person. How come I didn't get it? How come you doing that? You see what I'm saying? This way, you got, you got to be careful not to be comparative like that. You, you're developing the wrong spirit. Let me give you one last example. You own a business, and you go to some conference, and then all of a sudden at the conference, you see all these people on stage, and on stage, they're talking about how God, well, not God, they're not saying God, but this happened, and their business overnight blew up, and they got these contracts, and all of this, and all of this, and they went from this big to this big, and all of this stuff, and here you are, you're a Christian business owner, and, and, and instead of rejoicing, saying, you know what, God, God did it for them, God could do it for me, you got to, you're like, well, how come you haven't done it for me, God, and now you're getting all upset couple of things. Let me say, number one, you got to remember that the devil blesses his children too. So that person on stage may not be a child of God and, and the devil has stuff and the devil can orchestrate and bless his kids. So number one, might not be God's kid at all. Number two, even if it is God's kid, so what? Rejoice. The Bible says you ought to rejoice with them that rejoice. It, the, the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When you start to rejoice genuinely, look at me. I'm, I'm trying to help you get delivered from performance-based religion. When you learn how to genuinely rejoice for what God is doing in somebody else's life, it actually prepares you to receive what God wants to do in your life. So stop comparing yourself to other people. Reject jealousy and envy. Enter into God's rest. Genuinely celebrate what God is doing for other people. Develop a heart that can celebrate what God is doing for other people in a genuine way. This brother should have said, look, man, my father is awesome. My father's crazy, though. How, how is daddy going to be so good to this joke? I know this joke was out there with prostitutes, but I tell you what, I'm glad he's home. He should have just rejoiced over his brother being home, but he didn't. He went from redemption to resentment, and he built a heart of bitterness. Don't let this be you. Put, put in the chat, I'm going to protect my heart. All right, let's close this message out with a declaration of faith. I have more to talk about tomorrow. I think I love today's word because I could just take my time. I don't have to rush. Lift up your voice and speak this over your life. We're going to close this out with a declaration of faith. Declare this over your life. Say, Father, this is a season of refreshing and restoring for me. So I boldly declare that I am deeply grateful for your unwavering commitment to every soul, including my own. I acknowledge that you will never give up on any of your children, no matter how far they go astray. Your plans for each of us is perfect, and your commitment to those plans is unshakable. So I celebrate the redemption of the lost, 
and I join in a community of celebration. I reject the spirit of entitlement and comparison and religiosity. I embrace your grace. I recognize that it is freely given and I refuse to let my heart get hard. What you have in store for me is for me. So I genuinely celebrate what you're doing in other people's lives. I open my heart to the divine impulses of the Holy Spirit and I'm ready to receive what you have for me. I'm ready, Father, to walk in your best this day and this week. And living with this mindset, I know greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. This is today's word. Tomorrow I'm going to have another one. So please apply it and prosper. This is an important message. This is a message people need to hear. So I need you to do me a favor. Two things. Leave me some comments in the chat if this message was a blessing to you. And then share this message right now on your social media, on your timeline, and with your friends. I love you. God loves you more. Have an amazing day. I'll see you tomorrow morning. And if you follow me on social media, I'll be posting. I don't know if we're going to go to the school today. Uh, Isabella and I have a lot going on, but maybe today. But I know this week we'll visit the school multiple times. We'll be posting pictures uh, of the school and the children. So follow us on social media. I love you. God loves you, too. Have an amazing day. See you tomorrow morning. God bless you. If you enjoyed this content and you would like to know more about our ministry or you would like to partner with us in what we're doing in the Caribbean, being a blessing to Haitian children in the Dominican Republic, then please go to ripministries.org. You'll be able to find out more information there. And if you'd like to make a donation, all the donations are tax deductible in the United States. A few months ago, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to set up a coaching and mentorship program. And Isabella and I set that up. And so now we make ourselves available on three different levels for those that want access to us and to learn things about maximizing your potential, increasing your personal productivity and fulfilling your life's purpose. If you're interested in that, go to patreon.com forward slash Rick Pina. And then lastly, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to write several books and journals to help people grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Please go to rickpina.co if you don't have our material, and there's also apparel there as well. Listen, thank you for being a blessing to us. We pray that our ministry will continue to be a blessing to you.